0: Hello movie friends, welcome back to Raiders of the Lost podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast, and another episode of Letterboxd Recap, where we go through the movies we've been watching this week, as well as rating the top four of five of you. Now, thanks to everybody who sent in their entries. Also, before we get into this, our short film, Midnight Ruin, just released last night, You haven't checked it out please go to our youtube channel give it a watch we think you'd really love it and you can rate it on letterboxd and imdb we have a letterboxd so all you gotta do is follow the links either in the YouTube channel. Also, both of our Instagrams are gonna be packed with tons of links to these sites. So many links. There's gonna be links coming out your ears, everybody. <laughs> so many links to this one video. <laughs> 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 like, how many places are you posting it? Not just on our personal yeah, I don't with you. <laughs> links for you. There's a link for you. Link, link for you. Link for everyone. But we do have a letterbox page and an IMDb page. So if you would like to, Feel free to rate it on both of those websites. I already told them that, Anthony. <laughs> I'm just reading I already said rate it on Letterboxd or IMDb. But, they, but, they uh, but you it. didn't say that they could also rate it on IMDb or Letterboxd. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> How many movies did you watch this week? <laughs> 17? I only watched. He watched Midnight Ruin 46 times. <laughs> He's trying to get the views up. 10 movies. 10 movies. <laughs> it's way more than me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. Well, I mean, are you ever going to beat me? No, because I don't—I love movies so much, but, like, I don't have to watch 17 in a week to feel fulfilled in life, all right? I like to read! I like to do other things! You like to paint! I like—I don't paint. I like to play guitar! I like to fucking do— I, Listen, I love film. I love cinema. But, you know, seven movies a day is a bit much sometimes. <laughs> God, it's tough to do, I mean, it's—I it's, have done three a day almost every week, but just not—not not this week. Not this past week, but— Every day, I mean, sometimes I just like I'm like I'm gonna watch the fucking movie marathon. Here we go. Oh, Let's I know. So what do you mean? Sometimes you mean all the time, <laughs> all the time. Anthony has a movie marathon. Anthony has movie marathons honestly, after movie marathons. I would honestly watch even more movies if it wasn't for like how much time we spend uh, social media content and posting and all that stuff. Like that does take up like, quite a lot of time. So if it wasn't for like that, I'd probably watch another movie almost every day. You had you'd watch twenty two movies a week. Twenty two movies a week. <laughs> Anthony's like Hideo Kojima, his entire body is made up eighty percent of movies. <laughs> <laughs> do you even know who that is? No idea. It's all good. It was a it was a supportive laugh of I hope he doesn't <laughs> ask me who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, how about we'll start with our first watches each and then we'll do our letterbox ratings of five fans and all you have to do if you want us to rate your top four letterbox favorites just screenshot it and send us an instagram dm and we'll add it to the list which is like over 100 but we do five every letterbox recap we have 140 right now that's quite a few well i'm so lucky to have that many fans it's but it's funny because people will dm me their letterbox top four and they're like i can't wait to hear it in four months (laughs) (laughs) and i always send the gif of um Rose from Titanic when she's old. It's been eighty four years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's been eighty four years. He only lives in my memory now. <laughs> but Matt, Matt, you're, you know you're good in bed when someone remembers <laughs> you for 84 years. He's dynamite in the sack. Man, like, Jack had it, we man. We did it twice, and man, I forgot my family and my husband. Yeah. <laughs> in my death, I I remembered the guy I hooked up with f- over a one-night stand. Well, she got married had kids, right? Yeah. Yeah, so then she's like, I don't care about, I don't really love my husband. I'm still thinking about Jack. Like, every she night. thinks about Jack every time they made love. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure plenty of people have done that with Leonardo DiCaprio on their mind. Anyways, moving on to, what was your first watch of the week, Anthony? Pacific Rim. Which we saw at IMAX for the 10-year anniversary in IMAX 3D with a special Q&A from Guillermo del Toro, and apparently he watched it with us. He just kept they just kept it a secret because um, they actually cut the credits, and he was like, "I can't believe they cut the credits! I wanted to see it." They he had like a deleted scene uh, in the credits, but it looked fantastic. I wasn't—I've never been a huge fan of it. I remember I watched it when it came out, and then maybe I watched it again, but I just it didn't really click with me. I was like, "Oh, it's cool. It's fun." But I mean, it's I'm not sure, it's a little cheesy, but then on this rewatch many years later, I'm 5 minutes into this, I was like this is fucking awesome. And then when the movie was over, the whole crowd was like, "Let's go!" It's claps, clapping everywhere and it was a really fun experience and the CGI and visual effects look better than 95% of what we've seen in the last 5 years. It's the CGI is incredible in the 3D they did it for real in post, like, legit 3D um, remastering, and it looked absolutely fantastic in 3D. How many stars did you give it? I gave it four stars. This was also my first watch of the week, Pacific Rim 3D, and this movie wasn't made originally for 3D, but they post-did 3D for re-releases, and Guillermo was talking about the process of that, and he said they spent over 100 days just doing the 3D version of this film back in years ago and they did it, which is awesome. And same with you, like, I... I remember liking it the first time we saw it, but I don't think I've watched it since. It came out in 2013. This was the 10-year anniversary. So lucky to get invited to IMAX headquarters to watch this because it's the best theater you could ever watch a movie, and it was sick. And Guillermo was there, and he's so funny and charming and self-deprecating humor to a 100, as well as really insightful and so many nuggets of wisdom just answering these questions from... Collider, which was a cool screening and just an awesome experience to be there like 15 feet away from such a filmmaking legend, one of our all time favorite directors. I mean, we got we we have a Penn's Labyrinth poster, We, we adore his movies so much. And this movie kicked so much ass. Yeah, when it comes to just action movies, I miss this kind of style of just a kick ass action movie. There's no BS, no fluff, it's just giant robots fighting giant monsters with a ton of heart. Excellent filmmaking, really cool visuals. Like Anthony said, the animation and CGI, it looks terrific. The 3D version it was looks awesome. like they just made it. 3D version was awesome, and I just miss when action movies were just so kick ass because we get so much, we get so much. Uh, the thing about the action genre. It just has changed a lot. We get great movies for sure. I mean, John Wilk's, Wick's, yeah, those yeah. are great. There are plenty movies. of good ones. But this was like a different style, and it was only ten years ago. And I loved it. I had so much fun. I was literally fist pumping in the theater. I was like, "Let's go!" It was. I was hyped up. I was ready to run through a brick wall. Yeah. I wanted to get inside one of these giant robots and fight the kaiju myself, man. So when you say, I don't think you mean action movies, because action movies are always have always been very strong. I think you mean like big block budget, budget blockbusters. Yeah. That's what you mean. Where the big budget block blockbuster sci-fi CGI extravaganza, it can be very good as well as a lot of fun. I think that's what you meant. Yeah, yeah, Cause, pretty cause much. Action movies are still awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. I should have said blockbuster. Yeah. But this was, it's excellent. I, I had so much fun. Say, man. It was and a blast. Charlie Hennam's a great lead. Idris Elba is awesome in this movie. Great supporting cast and... The stakes are legit. You feel like the lo- like the, the fear of humanity and like the extinction level of this event of these kaiju monsters coming through this other dimension. And it's got a great third act of how they defeat them. And then I was reminded after it was over eventually of the sequel, which Guillermo said he's never seen. <laughs> yeah, he said he's never seen <laughs> never that seen or it. the they're doing like a TV show as well. Yeah. And yeah. so he actually wrote a script for a sequel, but they ended up just going in a different direction. The, st- the sequel star is Scott Eastwood, as well as John Boyega. is the real star of it. So yeah. them two are the leads of it. But I think I remember not liking it too much because was, this one's just great. Yeah, it was bad. I saw it, and it was just uh, really just not well done. What happened was—we'll we'll get to the reviews in a sec, but a lot of, Guillermo said that the, he was planning to do it, but then the studio failed to um, throw down a deposit on the sets. They were, they were renting the rental spaces so that they could start building sets. And they lost the entire um, back lot that they were gonna work on, and so since the studio failed to put the deposit down, they lost the sets, and so Guillermo was like, "Fuck this! I'm not gonna keep waiting. I'm gonna move on and do something else." He was no, he was never gonna direct it. He was just gonna produce it. Mm-hmm. So okay. he was writing, producing it, and he was trying. Like the people that were running it and directing it were yes. just not doing it very carefully, and they lost the lots in Canada because Guillermo shoots all of his films. For the most part, when he's doing lots, he, he films in Toronto. They have a bunch of great studios there. So that's usually where he films his interiors. Obviously, the exteriors, he films all around the world. But he was talking about how they lost the deposit in Toronto, so they ended up making this movie in China at the lots there. But I mean, if he was in charge of the movie, it wouldn't have happened like that. But he was never gonna direct it. Gotcha. Because gotcha. he was doing he said he was doing something else. I can't remember what it was, but he he had moved on. He obviously liked the world. Crimson Peak. Yeah, it was *Crimson Peak*. He was already in pre-production on that. Yeah, but man, if you haven't seen *Pacific Rim* in a while, give it a rewatch. Yeah, it is so much fun. It aged really well.
1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Okay, now let's get into the top four of five of our listeners. So first up, we have Alex, Average Cinema Enjoyer, is their bio. Now, Alex... Their top four is Phantom Paradise. Phantom Mm -hmm. of the Paradise. I've never seen this. Me neither. It's an old monster sci-fi movie. He's been maimed, framed, beaten, robbed, and mutilated, but they still can't keep him from the woman he loves. (laughs) I love that. I've got to check that out. Then we have the original Dawn of the Dead. Nice. That's got one of the best taglines. When there's no more room in hell, the dead (laughs) will walk the earth. (laughs) Then, okay, this is one I haven't seen yet in the top four, and I love that um alex picked this alex has peewee's big adventure wow in the top four love that such a fun movie uh i was both enamored and terrified, terrified. of peewee's big adventure when i was a kid the truck driver horrified that me lady when I was, was a kid. scary when her eyes and tongue like oh my god that was so scary what but all, eyes the, and tongues do anthony they, they remember like <laughs> yeah, the <no>. huge prosthetics <laughs> yeah. so scary and then there's a bunch of other like the tone of that movie is so unique. It's, it gets dark. Yeah. It's kids, so yeah. unique. Yeah. And then... Oh, my God. Another great classic from the 90s. An American Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. That might be the best werewolf movie. It, it's probably the best one. It absolutely has the best transformation. And, I mean, it's a great story. They tried to do it again. Remember American Werewolf in Paris? Yeah. With Julie Delpy. Didn't work. It was terrible. And it was all CGI. It was like everything. everything that made the first one work... They're like, yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, in terms of werewolf creature design, it might be the best. I like Prisoner of Azkaban a lot, too, because they kind of just turned that into a human who's limbs elongated in a lot of ways and sort of like what realistically may be without in terms of the adding physical. mass, yeah. Yeah, adding a ton of mass, just mm-hmm. like bones extending and stuff like that and like the snout extending. But Werewolf in London, American Werewolf in London, just like a massive savage beast was great. I just watched Trick or Treat. I'll get to it. In my um, when I on my rating, it's got a top top tier wearable transformation. You're right, Little Red Riding good story, right? Oh my god, yeah. it's so good! With it's uh, incredible. What's in a one? In a packwood. Alex, thank you so much for sending in your top four. That's great good, picks. Can you do a good Pee Wee impression? <laughs> 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 all right. Next up, we got Zachary from West Virginia, just trying to broaden my horizons with movies that aren't all superheroes. I like that. Sorry, Zach- Zachary's actually a a patron of the show. Thanks, Zachary. Great fan. Zachary's top four are The Grand Budapest Hotel, modern classic. It definitely is. Pulp Fiction. The Suicide Squad, the James Gunn one. Oh all right. And then I actually like this pick, The Conjuring, which is such a great horror movie. It's gonna it's the Conjuring really is like gonna be like one of the better horror films of um the two thousands, I think. And then Zachary has been watching a marathon of the Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> yeah. So first first you watch, uh, actually, the Simpsons movie. <laughs> and then Mission Impossible, MI2, which he gave one and a half stars, which I, I got to agree with, unfortunately. But uh, then they get better and better from then on. MI3, three stars. Of course they do. Of course. Zachary, thank you so much for sending that in. Appreciate it. Next up, we have Brooke. Brooke's been a long time listener. Her bio says "bad bitches only," <laughs> and then Brooke's top four is Black Swan. Love it. Good Will Hunting. It's a wicked awesome. Guy. Oh man, what a top two already! It's wicked awesome. This is great. It's not your fault. It's not your fault, Sean. Possession. Oh my god, this is the first possession I think. One of the best horror movies ever. Absolutely. And then School of Rock. Hell yeah! I love the uh, the. Jo- change of genres. And, I know. Yeah. School of Rock's just like a really great feel good movie. It really is. It's I so much it. fun. It's a really well made movie, School of Rock. Well, you know who made it? Cameron Crowe. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Great director. Cameron Crowe. Next. He- oh, and so, so. Does Brooks- it me or I just laugh like Jimmy and Goodfellas. La- some t- do some- it again? Well, I it was a natural laugh, but like I feel like I laugh like Jimmy and Goodfellas. I mean, Henry and Goodfellas. Oh, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <sorry. laughs> Like that's like no. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll play it for you. I'll play it back for okay. you after after the episode. Are you just trying to compare yourself. To no, the cool, I feel coolest like... movie character ever. I mean, he's not that. I mean, he's, you don't think Henry Hill is the coolest movie character ever? Ever? Who's cooler? I mean, there are cooler characters than Henry Hill. Name one. Name. One. I mean, Batman's cooler than Henry Hill.
1: Um.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Henry, Henry Hill's Hill. not a great guy. He's cool as fuck though. He is cool as fuck. Yeah. He's so he is cool. cool as fuck. I love Henry Hill in mm-hmm. the in the movie. Oh no, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying he's a great guy. I'm <laughs> saying he's cool. Oh, he's cool as shit. It's a cool movie character. Like you know, what? if we ever we should do a photo shoot soon, and I would want to do when uh, Henry and Tommy are leaning against the car in front of the diner <laughs> yeah. at the airport with those suits smoking cigarettes. Like after we, the montage of him being a kid ends, and it has Rags to Riches playing. Mm-hmm. That's like one of my favorite shots. We should do that. That'd be a good. I'll, photo. Be, I'll be Henry and you be Tommy. No, no, I'm Henry. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen, I mean, you got the laugh. Right? Right. I got the laugh. <laughs> you have more of a Joe Pesci thing going on, anyway. No, you have the higher pitch voice. So no, it's you, gotta be you. Yeah, but you have like you have the you, higher pitch. You voice. have like the Joe Pesci like look and aesthetic. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Where you been, Henry? <laughs> Henry, where, where you been, Henry? <laughs> All right. Lately, Brooke has watched uh, some of the John Wick movies: John Wick One and Two. Which she gave five stars and four and a half stars. Then the French Dispatch and then Tiger King. Oh man, <laughs> what a what a wild ride that is! I will never be able to financially recover from this. The movie or the show? <laughs> the show. Okay, cool. I've never oh yeah, seen the, the movie. movie. Nobody fucking. I I knew it was a waste of time to make a movie of that because yeah. nobody watched it. Was it Hulu? All right, Anthony. Who do we have next? Next up, we got Nikki Birnacki, who's been a longtime listener as well. Nikki. Now Nikki's top four is nothing short of excellent. Also. Nikki's always posting like great food content. Always traveling and eating great meals. Jealous. All right. Nikki has a great top 4. We got The Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, yes. Which is actually one of my favorite Wes Anderson films as it's well. It's number 2 or 3 for me. It was always my favorite until Grand Budapest came out and then I really started to adore Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, and I, I remember you really loved Darjeeling, too. You were really into Darjeeling. Yeah, Geeling. I did, but yeah. I, Royal Tenenbaums, I, I saw like five times yeah. in like a year. I was obsessed with it. Wow. it's a lot of times. It was. I mean, it's nothing compared to you and your marathons <laughs> watching Goodfellas. On what, did, what did I watch 17 times? Airheads. Airheads, when you watch 17 times on VHS by yourself, nine years old. Apparently, the biggest Brendan Fraser fan in the world. Moving on. <laughs> Next up, we got Rear Window. Nice choice. Excellent, excellent pick. Excellent pick. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Amazing. And then what I agree with, it's its just one of the, it's just the modern classic of the century. It's one of the top three. Parasite. Amazing list. Yeah. Like four great genres. And they're all from different decades, which I like. Each one's in a completely different decade, which is awesome. Nikki, what a list. We're a top four. I love it. We have suspense, mystery. We got... Science fiction monsters t- with with dinosaurs. Spielberg's in there, and then a great comedy drama. And then she's watched Whiplash, five stars. Circle, which I don't, I've never even heard of Circle. Circle. And then Hitchcock Truffaut, which is uh, their, a documentary of their uh, discussion, the two of them together, and then Mystery Train. What a great taste in cinema! Yeah, I want to watch Mystery Train. That poster looks interesting. Thank you, Nikki. But she watched these eight months ago. Yes, <laughs> this, is, this is actually six years ago. So, <laughs> 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 all right. Next up, we got Christian bailed. Bailed. <laughs> I was say Christian. Bailed. Oh no, this is it's a pun. Christian bailed. So B A I L E D, like bailed him out of prison. So it's uh Christian bailed, or bailed like you bailed while like skating. <laughs> yeah, like bailed out. That's great. I love that. Christian Bale. Like <laughs> Anything we can do about that fire, it's a Tarantino movie. I mean, it's a Tarantino movie, Rick. <laughs> he's talking about <laughs> the flamethrower flame thrower quote. Okay, first up, he's got um, a movie with literally me in it. It's so nice of you to put this in there, Christian. Drive. Are you talking about me when I'm driver and drive? I have really, I'm proud of my work in that film. So th- there's, a, there's a rumor going around that the movie Drive is based on me. I will say that it's a loose adaptation. Not exactly everything happened like in the movie. But it's literally me. <laughs> 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 then we have the Coen Brothers modern classic, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Heck yeah. Which I actually just watched a few weeks ago. So good. Great, great soundtrack. Then we got Baker. I've never seen this Brew Baker. I've never seen that. I've heard the name. That's a great name for like a superhero or something, Brew Baker. Brew Baker. Yeah. <laughs> he bakes and he brews. <laughs> <laughs> the power of yeast. <laughs> it looks like a prison movie cuz uh it's I think that's Robert Redford. I'm not sure though. With uh it's got a gate and like a prison tower on the bottom of the poster. Can you look it up? Brew Baker. Brew Baker. B R U B A K E R. And then number 4 we got once upon a time, in Hollywood, Christian Bale has nothing but taste. Oh, so it's Brew Baker, one word. Yes, because you're saying Brew Baker like it's yeah. two words. So it's Brew Baker. Brew Baker. Brew Baker. Brew Baker. I think it's Brew Baker. have these like. What brew- is the movie? Brew. <laughs> Just tell me what the movie it's is. One word. Brew Baker I, I we got it, man. So tell us what the fucking movie is. <laughs> Posing as an inmate at a small Arkansas prison, the new warden of the penitentiary, Henry Brubaker, played by Robert Redford. It is Redford, nice. Witnesses firsthand the corruption and abuse inflicted upon the prisoners by the staff. Yeah, I've heard of this film. I've never seen it. I want to add it to my watch list because I fucking love Robert Redford. His character's name is Henry Brubaker. Henry? (laughs) Henry? (laughs) Where you been, Henry? Henry? (laughs) Christian Lately has been watching... Call me by your name. Amazing, mm-hmm. Ellie, 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 Ellie. Harry Potter, Philosopher's Stone, Oliver, 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 Shaun of the Dead, and then a movie I can't read. Five people under the stairs. Nothing but the people, bangers. The people under the stairs. Got it. The None, people under the stairs. Nothing but bangers. All right, that's our five. Everybody, thank you so much for sending in your top five. And if anyone else wants their top four led read on the show sometime in the next sixteen years. Feel free to DM us yeah. a photo Anthony of your top will, four. they will lead them. If you want it lead. Wait, lead them? You said if you want it lead. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> if, it, if you want it red. <laughs> you know what it is? I just had a bunch of chocolate almonds and now... Uh, I mean, you always got an excuse (laughs) every time you have like a brain fart. You know, I was just like the other day, I was like busy and the sun came out pretty early in the day. It's been such a month. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a day. Yesterday, I didn't have enough water. But if you want (laughs) to have your top four letterbox read on the show, all you got to do is screenshot it and DM it to us on Instagram. We still have a boatload. We have 133 on the list, and we've already done, what, 60 by now, maybe? We've done quite a few, so it's awesome. We've done 100 now. Um, uh, If you've been waiting, I promise we'll get to you eventually, 12 hours later. 12 years later. (laughs) 12 years later. Um, But thank you to everybody for sending in your top four. All right, let's get into more of our watches. So how many do you have left to go over? 17? I have nine left. You have nine left, like (laughs) usual. Why don't you do three? I'll do one. You do three, I'll do one. You do three, I'll do one. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) So you watched The Crow last week, and it got me... Interested in rewatching Alex Proyas's other film, *Dark City*? I gave it three and a half stars, and I wrote, "Wildly inventive and stylish, however, sometimes to a fault." *Dark City* walked so the Matrix could fly. So I, I watched *Dark City* years ago. Years ago, um, this is like back Netflix by mail, and I really liked it, um, but I never was inclined to watch it again. There is a cult status to the film. It's very unique. It's visually stunning. It's a really cool concept. It's, uh, the production design is wonderful. It's a really fun movie. However, same thing with the crow. There are moments where the directing is just a little off where it loses its its tone sometimes. And then the script is just not quite there. Not just, it's almost there. It's almost there. The story is so close, but it just, I think got a little too in over its head where by the final act, it was just like a little bit too much. And then there's stylization and then there's hyper stylization. And this film is a little too stylized, where not so much the lighting and cinematography, but the, the production. It's just a little, it's like dialed to 11 too much. And it, it takes away from some of the scenes that are going on. And it's just like, just too much style. It's like no substance to some of it. Mm-hmm. Like the crow. Some of it's over stylized, but it looks great. But then when it's over stylized, and the substance from the story is just like not there to like mm-hmm. come to to be cohesive with it, it doesn't work super well. Like it an exa- just yeah. like looks cool to look cool, and that's it. Like in like exa- a music yeah. video. An example of the over stylization is I w- I won't I mean spoil anything, but there's a scene where a character is being injected with something, um, and that and so he's chained up on the table. But it's not like a table; it's like it's like a rotating. Uh, bar, like, it's like think of like the Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci sketch drawing of like the man you know, and the star. Yeah, but it's it's like a guy on a contraption like that just to get injected with a, a, a some kind of liquid. And it's like there's really no reason for all of that. And it's like spinning and this crazy light going on. The Vitruvian it, man. Yeah, it's just like it's like why is it's just too much style over substance. Yeah, so it's a cool concept, but ultimately. It doesn't quite hit the mark, but it's still fun to see. It's a fun watch. If you love sci-fi and if you love noir. it's a great blend of those two. Move on to the next one. Are you telling me to move Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. sound like a robot. Move on. Move on. Next, To, next, to, to the next, next na- one. Na- 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 next. <laughs> I watched In the Mouth of Madness. A John oh, C- I want to watch this so bad. John Carpenter movie. It's absolutely fucking bonkers. Sam Neill is fantastic. He plays an insurance agent. Who's trying to squash the rumors that the the world's biggest horror writer Sutter Kane, who's basically like a Stephen King type, has written this new novel that is driving people mad, and so he's trying to disprove this by finding Kane and getting the novel, um, his next manuscript. I mean, and it's really just really awesome movie, really well done, inventive, surreal, fucking bizarre as hell. It's got some good scares, great prosthetics, and Sam Neil carries the hell out of it. He's just such a great performer and. He's obviously so well-known for Jurassic Park, but he did some very interesting roles possession, in the, in, yeah, possession, in the like horror genre. Or... Possession is one of them. So I, I just love how he's really tried interesting things in his career as an actor. Have you seen his James Bond test screening or tests? I have, shoot? yes, I have. So he didn't really want to be Bond, but he was asked to do it. So he, there's a couple test scenes that he's done that you can find on the internet. He mm-hmm. would have been great as Bond, Yeah, but it would have been the Bond that Timothy Dalton did. And and made the goofier one. No, it's not. No, it's not a goofy. Bond. Timothy uh. Dalton's Bond's not goofy. It was just ahead of its time. It mm-hmm. was too action heavy and too physical. Mm-hmm. People didn't want that Bond at the time. Whereas, it, ironically, I, the Roger like, Moore one is the goofier one. I think. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah. say goofy. Just like maybe campier. Not, not like Austin Powers. But yeah, lighter. yeah, yeah lighter. Campy, lighter, lighter, A little campier. Yeah. But, but he would have been that <laughs> that bond for... I'm just thinking of Austin Powers and the penis pump. <laughs> it's not mine, really. <laughs> <laughs> then he comes back for it. <laughs> Honestly, it's not mine. I don't know how that got there. Was <laughs> he at an airport or something? No, he's cryogenic the cryogenic um, oh, yeah, yeah, department. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, unfrozen. He's getting his, he's <laughs> getting <laughs> his <laughs> items back. <laughs> and the penis and pump is one of them. <laughs> and he walks away. Then he comes back and grabs the penis pump. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> i'm sorry it's just, it just kills me man it's one of the best gags ever honest in my opinion one of the best gags pretty good all, all right. right my third one next is the original dracula which came out in 1931 i gave it four and a half stars and i wrote absolutely stunning photography combined with magnificent magnificent sense and an iconic performance make this one of the greatest monster movies this movie is really special it's pretty loyal to the book much more loyal than Renfield was. <laughs> Renfield is loyal to nothing. <laughs> but what's really impressive about the film is the cinematography is so ahead of its time and stunning. And and even I was watching it, I watch it every year now in October, and it just floors me. The, the lighting techniques they came up with. There's also just a ton of great dolly tracking shots, which are still pretty early for back then in 1931. And obviously it's not very smooth, and the, the, it'll shake quite a bit. But they were doing things with the camera work in this film, in the lighting in this film, that were really pushing the boundaries of filmmaking and that you rarely saw in films this this old. It's just a really incredible um, production, and uh, the sets are absolutely mind-blowing. It's, it's a really impressive film overall. Amazing. All right, my next watch for Spooky Season, I've been doing a lot of horror, obviously, like most of y'all probably are, too, I watched one of my annual viewings of The Shining, which I love so much. One He's of the singing. best movies ever made. It makes me singing happy. And so what does it say about me when The Shining makes me a happy person? It's, it's like a comfort watch you're for me. Fucked up. I just feel so much at home when I watch The Shining. Same which is so messed up to see. And uh, we talked about The Shining on Monday's episode. We're doing a Stephen King adaptation episode. Don't miss that. It's, it's an awesome one. It was a lot of fun. But the but the Shining is maybe the most iconic horror movie ever made. You know, uh, this is that movie. It's like legendary when you're a kid and you hear about it. Then you finally get to watch it secretly, with like away from your parents or with your parents, depending on how old you are. But it's just one of those movies that everyone watches at some point, point. and it's terrifying. It's so well made. It was ahead of its time. Kubrick was a genius. There's so much subliminal messaging. And every single frame, every shot, there's a great documentary that I highly recommend watching called Room 237. It's a great double feature with The Shining as well. Just going over all these little things that make no sense in The Shining because it's done on purpose. Whether it's Omen's office having an out, a window looking outside, even though his office is like when you walk into the lobby of The Overlook. As well as the TV set that's on that Danny and his mom are watching that Danny and Wendy are watching. Remember the TV sets? And there's no cable, there's no cord. Yeah, there's no just power in the cord. Of the floor, it yeah. makes no sense that it's on. Things like that, chairs move. So I, I highly recommend watching Two Thirty Seven, but it's an annual watch. Sometimes biannual annual watch for me. I mean, The Shining is just a comfort movie, one of my all-time favorites, and it's just a masterwork. And I see something different every time I watch it. And when it comes to adaptations, it's up there for sure. And I love what he did with it in terms of, you know, the book is very much, it's supernatural. Yeah, That's what's going on. But in the movie, it can be supernatural or it can just be cabin fever. Everyone's going crazy together, whatever you want. Or maybe a mix of both. So idea for an episode. Idea. How let's... do you feel about this? We do The Shining and Dr. Sleep as one episode. You want to know how I feel about that? <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Doesn't that sound good? Let's do it. That's an awesome yeah, idea. Shining and Dr. Sleep as an episode. All right, let's do that this month. Yeah. We only got a couple of episodes spots left, but *Shining* and *Doctor Sleep* it's go. Cool. because *The Doctor Sleep* is an excellent adaptation as yeah. well. It's a great book, and I'd love to watch it again. I've only seen it once, so I'd love to watch *Doctor Sleep* again. But I mean, some of the most iconic moments and scenes in the history of not just horror but American cinema, and everyone knows Jack Torrance. We know the axe sequences, we know the bat scene, we know the maze. It's just so memorable. I love it. I love *The Shining* so so much. Five stars. I love it. (laughs) Same thing with me. It's a comfort watch. A thousand out of a thousand. I just feel good when I watch it. Isn't it? It's like it's like one of those movies where it's like for me when I put The Shining on, I just I sit back, put my hands behind my head, and I'm just like, all right, so happy. (laughs) Like, you gotta watch the title sequence, and I watch. uh, Oh, I'll get to that in a little bit. So next up, I watched the bat. I watch Batman Broken Promise, which is an animated short film, a fan made film that uh, someone sent me. They're like, oh, please watch it. I was like, yeah, no problem. It was Mitch who sent it to me. Uh, so thanks for the recommendation, Mitch. It was awesome. Very visually stunning and creative. The animation was super cool. Batman, Broken Promise. I gave it four stars. Then I watched The Wolfman to continue my Universal Monster Marathon. Which one? The original, The Wolfman, 1941. So with the search, if you want to find it, it's actually three words, The Wolfman. So Wolfman's... Two words in this one. That's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is people think that Chainsaw is one word, but mm-hmm. in the movie it's separated. It's two oh, words. I think so it's yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yeah. Interesting. Four words. So if you have trouble finding this, I actually I tried finding it on Letterboxd and I was like, Why can't I find this fucking movie? And it's because I was doing <laughs> I was doing Wolfman as one word and Letterboxd the one, one of the problems with it is their search engine is isn't amazing. So you have to you have to spell things perfectly to find them. So you can't like misspell and st- it'll still give you um, search results. You get to spell the title properly. So I couldn't find it on Letterbox until I separated the two words. What's the matter, Letterboxd? What's up with you, man? They're still a small company. I know. I'm you know, just kidding. It's it sarcasm, Anthony. Oh, I, I thought you just were very mad at them. I'm never mad. It at- was terrible, terrible sarcasm. It was actually pretty good sarcasm. I'm going to rate, I'm going to, it was mid. It was mid. Mid. It was meh. Mid. (laughs) (laughs) The way kids rate things, mid, Mid. meh, meh, English (laughs) teachers say. (laughs) So I gave Wolfman four stars and I wrote a wonderful gothic horror with excellent special effects, impressive filmmaking. The thing with the Universal Monster movies is uh, they got to really experiment with filmmaking and use really cool camera techniques and special effects combined with uh, post-production visual effects to really... Uh, showcase creative ways of telling stories and the famous werewolf transformation in this film is just you know uh, they do the same shot of his feet several times and each time they filmed him they added more hair to his legs until eventually he was wearing prosthetic feet it's awesome and then they just dissolve it together with dissolves and for audiences when they saw that back then it was as if they were watching the transformation happen yeah it's basically stop motion essentially um it looks dated, obviously, now, but back then, nobody had ever seen anything like that before. So it was just really cool. A great performance. Um, it's a fun story. Ultimately, the script isn't very strong. Not as strong as the other monster movies. And I would say it might be one of the weaker stories. However, it is still incredible for its production. So four stars. Four stars. Then I watched Hellraiser. I actually watched those on the same night. I watched Hellraiser. Hellraiser I'd never watched before the original right yeah the original i never i've always been aware of pinhead and i've always been aware of hellraiser but actually so when i was a kid um i was always horrified of pinhead i thought for for movie monsters uh, and and movie killers like pinhead was always i was horrified it was the vhs package at blockbuster yes. that would always yes. scare me too and there was also there was another rental place near our house it was like that independent one and, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. and they actually specialized in indie horror films and I indie forgot, films. I forgot on Lake Street, yeah. right? So I that's forgot our, about that That's place. where our brothers, they would take us, and that's where they would get their like crazy horror movies. Where was that place called? So I think it was called Lakeside Video Rental or something. Uh, Lakeview Rental. Lakeview. I think you just made that up. Uh-uh. uh uh-uh, uh-uh. I don't make anything up. One of them one of them <laughs> will know. Shoot one of them a text and see if they gets back to you. <laughs> Jamie might respond um, immediately. Um, but so this it was this small rental shop. And what they did was they sold campy B-movies, uh, exploitation fic, flicks, flicks, and then all sorts of horror movies, but also like the very uh, B-grade horror movies. So our brothers would get all, all sorts of uh, movies that you couldn't get at Blockbuster or Tower Records. They would, they would get them there. And they would take us sometimes. And I, I was always horrified of the covers of some of these movies, and they were very scary VHS covers. But Hellraiser and the Pinhead covers – Those always just like made my skin crawl, and I it was those were the movies that if they were gonna put that on, I was not gonna be there to watch it with them. Usually, we were we would watch with them sometimes, but with Hell with Pinhead, I was like, nope, not happening. So I've never watched the Pinhead series, and so I was like, let me start with Hellraiser. I've never seen it. Um, Let's give it was on uh, I think Max, so I put it on. It was good. But I did not see the reason for all of its hype and for, for having so many sequels. And it, it has a cult following. It's it's a well loved film for horror fans. It's good. The the prosthetics are for the most part good. Um, the special effects is good, but the third act of the film it just gets a little too hammy and very cheesy. And is that a a, a sandwich reference? <laughs> It gets hammy and, and cheesy. cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because I'm hungry, honestly. <laughs> and ultimately, the visual effects hold it back a lot. And the visual effects are they—they're not the kind of visual effects that have aged very well. It's a fun story, but the script is just kind of not quite there for me. It's—it's it's fun. I gave it three and a half stars. It's—it's it's good. And the gore—it actually wasn't even scary, honestly. It was, it, and the gore wasn't really that bad. Um... I thought it would be tough to stomach but it was actually pretty pretty mild for me um, and it was just not very scary at all but I can see why people adore it for me not so much I thought it would be scarier honestly alright what else you got you have, uh... I got three left if you, you got want alright so I'll do my next one <clears throat> my next horror movie watch was Hereditary hmm I was in a, I was in a of horror Yeah, I mean, this has turned into an annual horror movie watch for me every spooky season, every October. I watch Alien, I watch Rosemary's Baby, I watch The Shining, and Hereditary is one of those annuals for me now, and it's still terrifying, it's still scary, and there's so much detail in it. I, I've maybe seen it like six or seven times, but I'm starting to see more things in it that I have never seen before, especially when I have with the projector in my room because like huh. it's almost like watching a movie in a theater. So you just watch, you see things differently that you've never seen before on a normal TV. And it's a brilliant film. It's so well made and so well crafted for a feature length first studio picture from Ari Aster. It's it's phenomenal. It's an all timer. And I would say when it comes to horror in the 21st century, it's a top 10 this century. And all time, it could be a top 50. But I think, you know, a lot of, I think you have to factor in recency bias as well as 100 years of great cinema. So top 50, there's definitely a conversation to put it that high. Absolutely. That's a good point. Someone asked me if it's top 10 all-time uh, the other day, and I was like, I would definitely put a top fifty, but I really have to think about literally I top. Mean, twi- I mean, there's a lot of great horror that was done: Exorcist, The Shining, Rosemary's Baby, the Jaws. Mon- some of the, mon- the, inv- the original Invisible Man is an all-time monster. Like, I mean, horror the movie. horror genre has yeah. been stacked for so long. I mean, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre; these are top ten horror yeah. movies of all time. I'm just gonna give it time. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I need I mean, to watch it more. But I think I think Hereditary is one of those horror movies, one of those movies that in 30 years it's gonna age so well. Yeah, and people are gonna look. Back on it as a top 50 as a top 25 horror movie in time Mm. in time in time time. time. (laughs) exorcist reference (laughs) but i mean you have to factor in the greats yeah you know you can't let recency bias just because it's so loved and it's so incredible here's an example so you made a tweet someone posted that um talk to me talk to me was in a top was a top 10 like top 5 824 horror film and you said or no, top 25 824 in general yeah okay not and, even it, just horror and you said it's not even top 20 and it's not even the best 824 yeah. movie this year yeah and then um and then someone else responded like i'd love to see like a list of 824 movies that are better and then i wrote out i, I took one our, our list from our episode of 824 ranking and i put talk to me at 42 Which is, I mean, they've made a lot of movies. That's the thing is, they've made so many really great movies. That talk to me is very good, but like you gotta, just because it just came out. A Month ago, we can't be you can't keep saying when something comes out, it's the best ever. If Talk to Me is a top five A24 movie, what about Moonlight? What about Hereditary, The Witch, Ladybird, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Killing of a Sacred Deer, Ex Machina, Eighth Grade, Tragedy of Macbeth, Under the Skin, Good Time, Midsummer, The Lighthouse, The Lobster, The Florida Project, Green Room, A Ghost Story, American Honey, The Souvenir, Close Pearl. Enemy, climax, the green yeah. fucking Knight, <laughs> so Minari, many. Locke, Room. Room is an Oscar-winning movie as well. The Whale, Swiss Army Man. These are After Sun, these are all A20. Uncut fucking gems. We, so, this is, X. This is my point. We can't we can't just keep saying when something just came out, it's the best ever. Bro, or Marcel Lachelle's shoes on, yeah. on. I like I, I think I'm I'm telling I like you, I, talk to I, me. I think 42 is a very good place to put Talk. To I to love to talk to yeah, you. Talking exactly. to you is great. They've made Sixty awesome movies. You know, it's it's there's, they've made a lot of great movies. And it's just I, like I think people when they say stuff like that, they expose the fact that they have not even seen twenty. That's 80%. what I'm saying. 80%. There's, there's percent, no way. That, there's no way that they person. Ha, I, 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 they haven't seen eighty percent of A24's movies. That's yeah. what they're exposing themselves at. Yeah, you've, you've seen maybe ten, maybe ten. They've made over like a hundred movies. It's it's, it's just. Uh, I guess the point is like I can't like we can't just keep saying something is the best or like the top five. Ever, it, it just came out. I mean, we got to understand that 824 has been making great films for 10 years, like for 10 years of great films. Dude, High Life, Spring Breakers. It, and this is the thing it's like, it doesn't need to be the best. It can just be awesome. We, it, not everything has to be a list. Not everything has to be a ranking. Not everything has to be in the top 10 of something. It can just be a fun, awesome horror movie. That's, I mean, we don't need to rank everything. Everything doesn't need to be. How do you compare it to this? Like, if you just be. Oh, I fucking loved it. It was an awesome movie. That's it. Anyways, Hereditary. Sorry. I fucking loved it. Awesome movie. Oh, <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah. What, what were we talking about. And <laughs> then you know he he he's so great at just drawing out the tension and the suspense, where mm-hmm. it takes quite a while to get to anything really scary or disturbing happening. Obviously, when Charlie's head falls off from a <laughs> telephone pole, <laughs> it's ripped off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> disturbing imagery, grief trauma but then the third act is so insane that's a great point because it's not scary until the third act yeah it's fucked up it's and disturbing, disturbing yeah but then he the horror really the horror really starts when the father gets lit on fire for me and like what that, and it's great an incredible opening shot yeah no, well not well for the opening shot is of the tree house but then the second shot is the slow push into the miniature house of his bedroom which then turns into the bedroom that his dad walks in while he's asleep. Uh, so I haven't seen it for a couple of years. It doesn't open with pulling back from the treehouse and turning into the room. No, no, it's, no? A, it's a cut. Okay, so it, so it starts with treehouse, then it cuts to the pull, reverse. It, so the cut, the treehouse pulls back into and, the room, uh-huh. then reverse then it, cut, and then yeah, it cuts to the the miniature of uh-huh. their house pushing in slowly into gotcha. the bedroom. Gotcha. Insanely good shot. I don't know why I thought it was one take. I just remembered it wrong, but yeah, it's a great it's a great opening. maybe anyways i could be wrong i don't know i thought he panned it uh i forget actually even though i just watched it (laughs) (laughs) here i'll go i'll say my next one can you grab the clip i thought i thought he panned it i I thought thought it was was, one take i'll check all right next up for mine i have frankenstein the original from 1931 again continuing my universal monster marathon this came out the same year as dracula so Universal was really firing on all cylinders in 1931. Frankenstein is one of the best monster movies of all time. It's really brilliant. Incredible production, great cinematography, wonderful performances. Um, there's not so much that I can say that nobody else has already said. It's the most probably the most famous monster of all time for a reason. Frankenstein is an interesting monster because it's an extension of us. It, he is a human, essentially, and it's... And it's tackles incredible themes of life and death and humanity and what makes a monster and how uh, people will rile, rise up and try to destroy something they don't understand and something they fear for the wrong reasons. Um, so Frankenstein is a very powerful monster movie and incredibly well done. Um, I will say there's a, a a bit of a problem with the screenplay in the third act uh, where what happens is they... Actually, I don't want to spoil it. It's it's just things don't add up quite a bit in the third act when they're getting the couple's getting married, Frankenstein's marrying his bride, and then for some reason they just didn't think about ta- making sure the monster was dead in the tower um, literally the same day. So it was just like... It's a little bit of like a... I mean, they should make sure that thing's done um, before they do something like get married. And also, we're getting married literally in the same day that we said we should get married. So otherwise... I knocked it down half a star for that story problem. But otherwise, it's fantastic. It is a pan. It's Someone a pan. one shot. I knew it! Pulls out from the window yes. of the treehouse. Pans. Then pans in the room, then slow push into the bedroom Thought on the so. miniature. Yeah, You're right. Amazing Can shot. Can you say that again? Say it again. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up. I. Do you have any left? I got one left. All right, I'll do one more, and then you do one more. Cool. I watched Trick or Treat... I gave it four and a half stars and I wrote demented, hilarious, bloody and insane. This is everything you want in a horror film. I fucking love this movie. It's so fun and it's an anthology, but what's fun is that it's an anthology where it's not like a series of stories that go from one to the next. They're intertwined and we see them different parts of them throughout the, sto- throughout the film. But the film is funny as hell the gore is awesome. It's got some pretty good scares. It's very creative. It has some very creative monster designs, very creative creature designs, and then very creative kills. I like the cast a lot. I mean, it's got a Anna Paquin, Brian Cox is in it, um, Dylan Baker, Leslie Bibb. I mean, some some big heavy hitters in this pretty small movie. What's the uh, the little pumpkin dude's name? It's Sam, right? I care. the little yeah, the little guy with the the, the main. I don't know the, if he had the, a name. The horror icon. I don't know if he has a name. Let me check. I'm not sure. But he's uh, he's he's the cutest killer ever. <laughs> yeah, Sam. Sam. I, I love the movie. It's really fun. It blends in so many different lores and mythologies of Halloween and different kinds of horror films. The archetypes, the cliches, melding them together. It's got a strong opening with Leslie Bibb and then has a great ending. Um but I really enjoy it it's it's fucked up it's demented like kids get killed a lot in this movie like they really pulled pack pulled no punches um and they weren't afraid to really just like go as hard as they wanted to so I think they this crew in this team um and Michael doherty Daug- did a really wonderful job with this horror film uh, he's he's gone on to direct uh he made he's um Godzilla king of the monsters he also made Krampus with uh, Tony Collette, as I well? like Krampus. Yeah, if anyone's ever never seen it, it's a great Christmas movie. Um, but late, <laughs> but um, I think that Godzilla was his last film as a director. Sounds about right. Attack yeah. of the yeah, that's that's his last film. I'm sure he's I'm I'm sure he's got something in the works because mm-hmm. um, he's a really good, he's a really good director. He does a great he did a great job. I liked it. I I love this movie. Trick or Treat's awesome. It's on Max. Awesome. Yeah, I love trick-or-treat. Yeah. It's a blast. Oh, I have one more, so I can do this last one and then you can finish up. Hold on. I have a little bit of news. So, blo- so Best Buy plans to stop selling physical media such as Blu-rays, 4Ks, DVDs, possibly as soon as the end of quarter one in 2024. What? So physical media is on its way out. That's crazy. But the thing with that is they're so overpriced that... Only really movie lovers and collectors buy them anymore. The, yeah. normal, the normal movie fan used to buy DVDs and Blu-rays, but they're so overpriced. They really are. Sometimes you'll be at Target or Best Buy, and like there's a new release out, and it's like something that's an okay movie, but it's like a $40 Blu-ray. It's like, who's going to buy that? Yeah, I get that. But also, the other factor is that we've become so accustomed to the membership for the library. So Spotify... Uh, napster changed everything napster didn't just change music it changed the entire media climate because you're not going to buy a cd would you buy a cd jim where am i going to play it (laughs) okay would you buy no exactly that's what i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't buy it because i don't have anywhere to play a cd no no no. so would you buy an album on itunes no exactly even if it was 10 bucks would you buy an album no, exactly. <laughs> but back in the day, ten years ago, it's no—you bought everything you wanted to listen to. Yeah. So the, the streaming, Newberry Comics, baby. Oh yeah, the streaming library catalog. Um, what what began with Napster, and then memberships with Netflix, with Spotify. Um, it changed everything. Where people no longer, we've we've changed. We, we're not going to buy the one thing. We're going to buy the membership so we can get access to a, a catalog and there's no going back from that once the once the pandora was out of the box with napster the media changed forever and it was a matter of like what companies are going to actually implement it and change the change it based upon what they did with napster spotify got in early with music and then netflix got in early with with movies and then itunes never did it ne- itunes always did uh you still buy albums um uh, and you can still buy albums on, on on iTunes, but very few people do. So it's not even the matter of the price. And yes, I, I agree. Blu-rays and steel boxes. Well, steel boxes are collector's items, so they can be. They I can understand them costing more. But sometimes Blu-rays have always been a little too pricey. Even ten years ago, they were too pricey. But we just don't. We don't like buying single things anymore. We, we like the membership, and we like having access to a whole catalog. That's the problem. It's just convenience. Yeah, exactly. It's It's just tech. It's just changing. It's It's easy. changing times. Short answer, yeah. Everything's just changing. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to have a conversation and you just, you don't care, man. You still care. (laughs) Moving on to my final watch. You just wanted to get to you. My final watch. Well, I mean, you (laughs) fucking did 17 movies, Anthony. (laughs) It's not my fault you didn't watch any movies. I'm sorry. Who has? James needs needs some more microphone time, guys. (laughs) Some more mic time. (laughs) <laughs> this whole thing's about me. Everything is about me. <laughs> Moving on to my final watch was X. Now, um, AMC did a re release on October eleventh, Wednesday, of just I think a couple show times that night. It was like seven, eight, nine o'clock. I saw it. It was awesome. I love Pearl and I love X. I hadn't seen X since it came on theaters last year. This movie's perfect. It's a perfect horror movie. Because not only is it sharply directed by Ty West and not only is it terrific to watch with Or before or after Pearl is a double feature because you see so many things in one or the other that match them so well. Like the opening shot of X, he gets that same shot in Pearl, like inside the barn, pushing out into the farm. It's just really brilliant what Ty West did making two movies at the same time on this one location. It's just insanely efficient filmmaking, and X is terrific. The cast is awesome. Mia Goth is a sensation, man. She is such a star, just like Pearl, which she was, <laughs> and the the gore and the kills are brutal in this movie. <laughs> you don't know Harkonnens. they're not human. They're brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get my Gurney Halleck reference in. It, I like the first time I saw X. I had to look away at one of the scenes, the first kill, because it's so intense. But then this time, I I watched every frame of it in front and, of the headlights. Yeah, and I watched every frame of it, and it was beautiful and disgusting. It's disturbing as hell. It's really funny. And the thing with Ty and his movies with this, House of the Devil, he makes these horror movies that are so meta, but it's not like telling you it's a horror movie, but it knows it's a horror movie. He hits all of the horror movie beats. like It's like a structure that he's written out from watching all of his favorite horror movies. He writes the structure out, or the beats, and you can assume he's like making his movies based off that. And X is a perfect example. We have... Kind of a disturbing opening of like the flashback or the flash forward of the aftermath of this killing spree on this farm. And then we have this group of bunch of misfits all together on this road trip. We have a gas station stop. It's just like Chainsaw Massacre in the van. Exactly. So then we have a gas station stop. Like one of the beats that a lot of horror movies hit. This reclusive secluded place in the middle of nowhere. Another horror movie beats disturbing older people another horror movie beats and then just this great mystery and just great suspense built but then he just throws things in like a giant alligator in in a lake and in the middle of nowhere as a pet for one of the people and it's awesome it's so fun the music is great and I think it's a perfect horror movie and operates so well on so many different levels and Fucking Ty West. I love this guy so much. The year of Ty West, man. Continues. The year of Ty West. (laughs) It's got an awesome ending. I I love the ending. I cannot wait for Maxine. It's a perfect ending. It really is. But man, like... Because I watched Pearl, like, two months ago. And then, like, watching this, I'm, like, picking up on so many things in Pearl. It's so fun. So, so fun. How was it after seeing Pearl? So much better. Yeah. Because then you see things like that... He was he was just ha- he was teasing these things in X before Pearl came out that you don't notice like when the old woman shows Maxine inside the house after they have lemonade he gets a quick shot of like old photos of the old woman and it's, it's Mia Goth mm-hmm. and you don't realize that it's Pearl in Pearl the movie mm-hmm. but it's just like a quick three four frame shot like blink and you'll miss it kind of thing mm-hmm. love that yeah yeah I never know I didn't notice that so go back and watch X and you'll mm-hmm. you'll see like oh my God it's Mia Goth in the photo yeah. with Howard yeah. And then you're just watching, you're just imagining what, what, how this turned out 80, 60 years later, mm-hmm. Howard's life, what he's done to protect Pearl all these years. <laughs> it's crazy. It's awesome. I fucking love it. Okay. I've been watching a lot of horror lately. So I wanted to just do another, uh, something a little different. I watched Casino Royale with Daniel Craig, four and a half stars. And I wrote one hell of a debut for Daniel Craig. It's a, it's, a, it's a perfect movie for introducing the new Bond. And I, I clearly remember going to the theater to see this because we were super amped. We always loved Pierce Brosnan's Bond films. I think our dad was a Bond fan, and he always took us to those ones, maybe. And then we were, like, super jazzed about the new Bond. And it was so much fun. I'm so jazzed. So jazzed. <laughs> so, but the, the, the film's great. It's got excellent chase sequences, fun action. Uh, it's really well made by Martin Campbell. Um, he actually did the last, the previous James Bond film as well. So he was in, he was a part of the reinvention as well as the Pierce Brosnan film uh, series, which was interesting. Uh, excellent villain by Madge Mickelson. It's very different for a Bond film. I I do still have it at number three for Craig, but that's not to say it's not amazing. I'd say I have a four a four point five out of five. But I do put Skyfall and No Time to Die above it, uh, just because they have tighter scripts and they they have a better pacing casino does slow down quite a bit a couple of times um and then the single location kind of puts it at a bit of a standstill for about an hour but and then that's just it's just the first one and it's about a poker game so i mean skyfall is one of the best movies made this century but skyfall is just perfectly paced we're it's incredible what they did overall and but it's casino is still fantastic and uh, Craig is really perfect as this bond. I love it. Uh, Everyone's gonna know you done scratched my nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a little itch down there. <laughs> Did you mind? <laughs> <laughs> it's great, and uh, it's it's good poker. It's it's fun poker. Uh, this is back when poker was hot. But it's crazy. You watch a movie like this, and you realize the impact of 9/11 on on media because this is 2004. And 9-11's impact was being seen across TV shows and movies in a big way. And this is an ex- like it's a huge set piece for a James Bond film is about a terrorist trying to blow a, pl- a plane at an airport. It's just it's interesting when you look back in time. You don't really put it together when you're a kid. Um, things that and how real life influences media. But this is a film where it's a per- it's a perfect example of how real life events can have a uh, a changing effect on storytelling in movies like this. And so and I found that that's the first thing that struck me immediately while I was watching it. 2006, bro. 2006? Yeah. Well, whatever. But it's still, it's post 9-11. Yeah, but it's cool because yeah. it's an origin story at the same time for Bond mm-hmm. with the flashbacks. And it was still smart with with having Judy Dench remain as M. Uh, the flashback's great, the black and white. It's a com- combination of 16 millimeter black and white in the bathroom mm-hmm. and then 35 millimeter in the office, yeah. which look fantastic. The second one is yes. What's he say? Because he's about to say the second one's a lot easier. or um... Considerably. Considerably. <laughs> <laughs> not first to, not to worry. The second one is... Psh. Yes, Oops. considerably. considerably. <laughs> it's so badass. <laughs> I fucking love it. Yeah, I love Casino Royale. We should definitely do that soon. Well, we, what we should do is a Bond, Daniel Craig Bond uh, episode. Yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. People would love that. That wraps Letterboxd Recap number 20, everybody. Wow. Nothing but bangers. in this week, thank you to everyone who sent in your letterbox submissions. We appreciate that so much as well as make sure you tune into our short film on YouTube. Link in the description of this or just go to our YouTube channel. It'll be right there on the homepage of our YouTube channel, Midnight Ruin, for anyone to watch for free publicly. Episodes this past week. We did a great one on Monday on The Marauders. We created our own fan fiction of The Marauders while they're at Hogwarts for seven to nine seasons of TV as well as our Horror Hotties episode. We did Pearl, Jennifer's Body, and Ready or Nuts on Monday, coming up, we're doing our Stephen King adaptations episode, going over the best adaptations. There have been over 50 TV and movies made from Stephen King's books. So we talked about the top 20 as well as just some honorable mentions as well, as not to mention the worst ones. And then after that, I think we're going to do The Town. It's wicked awesome, t- Yeah, I think we're going to mix a, it up with some— Take a break from horror yeah. and do The Town, and then do some other horror stuff. And when we more. do The Town, we're going to do it in Boston accents. Not, compl- not the whole time. So— Some, some, we don't want to turn people, people are going to love it. Some people will love it. People are going to love it. We can't do the whole thing in Boston. It's going to be wicked awesome. People would tune out. It's going to be wicked awesome. (laughs) Yeah, guy. But uh, (laughs) thanks so much for tuning in and take care, everybody. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.